I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. Thank you for joining us again. I'm glad that you enjoyed part one, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy part two more. We are continuing the conversation today with B.B. Lynch, who is a controversial writer, broadcaster, and a journalist who works on the BBC radio to host a show called After the Watershed. She is also the co-presenter of a podcast for metro.co.uk called Good Sex, Bad Sex, She writes on many titles and sites, The Guardian, Stella, The Telegraph, Metro. She wrote for Marie Claire, for Elle, for GQ, for Red, for New Women. And she is uh, regularly on TV talking about uh, some of the most controversial topics, such as motherhood, such as what we heard about being a hidden homeless, about being childless. She also is the proud creator of the acronym WHIPS, which are women who are hot, intelligent, and in their prime. And she spends a lot of time on Twitter, which got her voted as one of the HuffPost's 50 funniest women on Twitter. Let's continue the conversation. Now we're going to go into the even the more interesting side of what Bibi does every day on her podcast, Good Sex, Bad Sex, and a few other topics that I'm sure you didn't expect to hear here today. B.B. Lynch. I'll tell you openly, it's not about the amount of money. It's not even about the money at all. I mean, when you spoke about the homeless um, uh, feeling that people pity them or they don't respect them or whatever. So my wonderful late son, Ali, and I, and I wrote about this in Soul for Happy. He had a way of sitting next to homeless people. It wasn't that he gave them money. He always emptied his pocket to give it to the person. But that followed a 20 minutes conversation. And I promise you, I could see it in his eyes. I, I wrote in my book how he sat next to an old lady. You don't know her story. And if I tell you her story, you'll be amazed because she was successful and she was loved. And then things happen in life and she found herself homeless and got used to it. And he sat next to her And I couldn't hear the conversation. I was far away. It was in Boston and I was in a cafe and he was outside. And you could see that he was engaged in a very deep conversation. And then at the end of the conversation, he puts his hand in his pocket and sort of gives her the money. And so she sort of refuses it. And he hugs her a little and he says, no, 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 please take it. And you can see the the scenario. And then he stood up and walked. And that woman, I promise you, one of the most beautiful moments of my life, puts her hand deep into her big bag and gets something out of that bag and then chases him and gives him that one thing which was an unopened box of lip balm, okay? Which I believe was her most valuable possession ever. It's like, look, I've saved this for a great day. When I'm celebrating, I'm just gonna open that thing. And she just decided to give it to Ali. Not because of the money he gave her, but because he recognized her as a human. And I think the stories that you share are all about that. It's like, just don't assume that the people you're dealing with have it all easy, okay? I think the truth is, if you ask me, 
in every big city around the world, and I've lived in London for a while, definitely in New York, and all of the big cities in the world, nobody has it easy. The truth is people are struggling with something somehow. That story of Ali just made me cry. That is just so incredible. I'm not going to ring you now because you did make me happy, but now you've made me cry. So you've lost the weekly call. <laughs> but listen, but I think that is incredible. I think it's such a beautiful thing. And I think also it's that thing of people just want your time. People just want a bit of you. And he gave a bit of her to him. He just was like, you know, she mattered. He, she was visible. That's all it takes. She mattered. That's what it's all about. She mattered. And everyone you come across matters. And I think that's the whole idea. And if you just hug them as if they mattered, whether virtually or physically, I think what ends up happening is they find their own path. Can I tell you something really lovely? Mm. Let me tell you something really lovely. Yeah. This is such yeah. a sweet story. So there's an artist, I live in Hove at the moment, and there's an artist down here called Tony Mills. And Tony Mills' project, and this is so incredible, He, where he lived, he spotted a homeless man that was always in the same kind of shelter. And he you know, befriended him and stuff and, and then asked if he could paint him. And I think he, or did he just paint the shelter? Anyway, he took a picture. And the whole idea was that um, any money that Tony made from these paintings, he'd give to this man and kind of help set this man up. Mm. And now he, I know, it's incredible. And he's just done that. And he's, I don't know how much he's raised, like 40 grand, whatever. But it's just, I love that because you're visible and, and he's, these people matter. And, and also he's helped, you know, he was like, I can't help him. And, you know, I can give him the old tenor, but that's not enough. And he just made it, you know, and then, and then the, like, the last time I spoke to Tony about it, this man was moving into his first permanent address, you know, like forever oh, on the I money that, that Tony made. I know, that's, it's amazing. That's so it? beautiful. Ali did the same, actually, when, again, I visited them in Boston and he, I said, what would you like, Habibi? I'm here if you want to buy anything. When he was younger, he would buy video games. And so uh, he says, yeah, there's this street artist that I really want to buy a painting from. You know, those in America, they paint with uh, spray paint. Basically, I don't know what it is, but, you know, on a piece of metal or a piece of wood and he just makes the spray so fluid that it appears to be a planet or something like that. Anyway, it wasn't that great of a painting. Let's just put it this way. (laughs) (laughs) And then Ali looks at it and, of course, typical Ali, he first says, oh, my God, that's so beautiful. How did you do that? And I'm like, Ali, seriously, in my heart, I didn't open my mouth, but in my heart, he was like... um, I was like, Ali, it's really not that great. And and then he says, so how much do you want for it? And the guy said, $50. And so I looked at Ali and I said, is it really worth $50? And so he tells me in Arabic, Papa, what's $50 to you? And he actually gives him $100, which I have to admit in my view is not going to break our back. We're reasonably okay. And it's not that he gave him $100, which I believe is more than what he got in, you know, maybe for a month or a week or whatever, but it's that he valued his work at $100. So we walked by this artist, you know, I was there for three days and we walked by him, you know, two or three times. And every time he would just, you know, greet Ali somehow as the only man that understood, like that you're the only one that gets it sort of. And it's those little things. I really wonder what happened to humanity when we get into big cities and we forget that. We forget that little, you know, gesture that we all want. We might as well give it. Let's switch to fun stories so that you can call me afterwards every week because I don't want you to to leave. Come on. What are we going (laughs) to... You you talk about, about relationships, about dating, about sex, about all of the things that are supposed to make us happy but make us miserable. 
all the time. I mean, on your podcast, on your radio shows and so on, all of those things that I've heard you speak on, you talk very openly about those topics. Now, I don't know of a lot of people where dating and relationships actually results in their happiness. As a matter of fact, I define dating and relationships as the third biggest reason on the planet for unhappiness. What have you to say for that? I thought you were going to cheer me up. Hang on. We just... <laughs> I'm going to get there. What's going on? I'm, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Oh, Trust me. No, see, Trust don't me. say that. Please, you can't say that to me because I'm such an old romantic. My life has been ruined by soul music. That whole kind of, <laughs> I love you so much, baby. If you, leave, if you even go to the kitchen to get a glass of water, I'll die. You know, just come back, baby. You know, I love... <laughs> so I, <laughs> I'm obsessed with the idea that I'll still get the happy ending. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. But I... But you know, but you're right. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Do you know what? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think that... I think if we go back to the baby stuff, I think that's one of the reasons why having a child seems so delightful for everyone because it feels like the unconditional love doesn't it and it certainly is for a while but then I know lots of lots of parent child relationships aren't you know you know you're still dealing with a human being and so you know it might not still be that unconditional thing but um yeah you must absolutely not say that because I definitely want I always feel like I really need the lovely relationship that, that will kind of make up for everything else that's gone on but that is a really defeatist attitude because make up for what and again, it's that whole got to be in the moment, haven't you? And I, know, and I don't mean that in a crass, cliche way, but like you say, there are joyful moments in anything, aren't there? In any day. And, I've, and I don't think it cheapens one's experience because obviously I'm in therapy. I'm sure you could tell it by looking at me, but I'm in therapy. <laughs> and I remember, my, I remember my therapist once saying, don't sit by the beach. It's just a joyful thing. And I was going, oh, that's so patronizing. That's so, you know, negating the rest of my experience. But she's right because, oh my God, A, we don't know how long we've got. B, I'm looking at some person's life and I'm, I'm like we've covered in all of this. I'm seeing what they're showing me. I'm seeing what I'm projecting onto it. So I'm not saying, I don't know what I'm seeing. I don't know what's got, you know, what the truth is. And the truth not, might not be that pleasant or fun or, or happy or whatever. I definitely think there's a danger of putting your happiness in someone else. So maybe that's key. Maybe that's key. But I would love, I would still love to meet someone who's like incredible. And- Have you guys heard this? People listening, eligible candidate here, single. <laughs> but it would be, do you think some relationships can be happy? That's exactly what I was leading with this. So the truth is, I think many relationships lead to unhappiness. I mean, let's think about it this way. If you're not in a relationship, you feel very unhappy because you're comparing to people. And then you get that very short jolt of happiness when you're dating a new person and then you realize yeah. they're happy and then you stick to them for a while and then you become stuck there and very unhappy <laughs> and then you break up and you're unhappy and then you go back and you know go into I'm unhappy because I'm single and then yeah. you go into that yeah. little jolt. So in general I think that's not inherent in relationships. I think relationships that are based on one of two things to be honest either choosing correctly and not wasting time on deadwood or relationships that actually assume the Buddhist noble truth of impermanence. So basically relationships, which I think are also a reasonable path through a stage of your life, not all stages of your life, is to say, look, this person might not be the person for me, but there is something in the journey between us. And that thing is going to be realized for a year, 
three years, a month, I don't, I don't know what, but, but basically not stick to things that don't work. When it doesn't work, it shouldn't be hung onto, is my view that you either choose properly or you don't cling. But when you choose improperly and cling, you end up wasting years of misery, really. I definitely think there's a, a life too short umbrella thought that I have across everything. So I do agree with what you're saying. The thought of kind of giving your heart to someone fully and then it being temporary, I find devastating. Explain why. Because it's such a give, isn't it? It's such a give and it's such a gift and it's such a... Okay, I'm going to tell you what I feel, which I think might shock a lot of people, okay? I gave my heart fully to my son Ali. I, I mean, I love Aya deeply, but between Ali, Ali and Aya are the people I loved most in life, okay? And Ali left. Ali left our world. Now, the question is, was I better off not loving him as much or was I better off fully, fully enjoying and committing and embracing every minute of the 21 and a half years? And I think, I mean, of course, I'm trying to talk to the logical part of us here, which, you know, love and romance is not logical. But the concept here is this. We walk along journeys in this life that overlap. And sadly, the truth is, if you're not bound by blood, it's unlikely that you're going to find someone who's the absolute perfect fit for you throughout your life. You know, someone can be your perfect fit, Nibel and I, Nibel, my ex-wife and I, were the perfect fit for many, many years, 28 years together. And then post-Ali, things changed. Post-Ali's departure, things changed. We were still, I mean, I met her a week ago. She's still the, my favorite person on the planet. I hope I am for her too. But there are certain things that don't last forever. And I think the game here is, is it the precondition that it will last forever because it's unlikely, the statistics show that this is not the case, or is the precondition to surrender and go through life and enjoy it as it is. And if Ali leaves or your partner is no longer fit, you be grateful for what you had, not pitiful for what you don't. Intellectually, absolutely agree with everything you just said. <laughs> but it's not Emotionally, I'm catching up. <laughs> Emotionally, I'm catching up. Let me ask, what's the thing that then makes a relationship worth staying in and worth leaving? So if we were talking about sex earlier, and that's, you know, what is it? Couples, established couples have like sex once a month or something. So say, you know, people say sex is the glue that keeps you together. If that's not the glue, why are people not? No, not why are people, because we know why people are. It could be financial, societal pressure, whatever, whatever. But for you, if you're saying, and I agree with you that life is too short and being something fabulous, what was the thing? And you don't have to say something personal here, but what, what's the thing that would make a relationship not fabulous enough to stay in? Oh, if it's not fabulous enough, then there is a million things that make it is not it fabulous. Is it not being true to you? Is it not, it's not feeding you? So look, a relationship is a mirror, is a window into your own self, if you want. And when you're in a relationship, you can either be with a person that compliments and brings the best out of you or teaches you something or, you know, gives you certain experiences and joys that are not attainable otherwise, or, 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 and there are a million things. For every one of those, it's easy to recognize. I believe that the best relationships are ones that are 
where the vows are renewed daily, where you wake up in the morning and you say, well, regardless of the logic, I want to spend another day with you. (laughs) Right? If you don't feel that, then you might as well talk about it. You know, if you wake up in the morning and say, well, today I don't think I want to spend another day with you, that's a very clear trigger to have a conversation. It's like, hey, by the way, you did this and that, or I did this and this, or, you know, my hair grew longer, or my eyes are hurting a little, or you snore and I can't sleep at night, or whatever. And by the way, most of those things, if spoken about, can be resolved. And if they're unresolvable, like I'm a light sleeper and you snore, well, you know, life happens, honestly. <laughs> it's like, you know, I adore you, but but you snore. Right? <laughs> right? I adore you. And it's not hard to recognize when those things happen, are they? What's the difference, though, between being idealistic and unrealistic about what you get from a relationship and being at the stage where you just think this isn't actually doing it for me? Mm-hmm. You tell me. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. You call them whips? You're the one that knows what... (laughs) Don't you bring the whips into this. (laughs) (laughs) But it's the truth. There is a difference between a mature person that sort of knows and another that thinks that everything is, you know, what we see in Hollywood. It's so weird, right? Because I feel like... Do you feel like this? What's the age you feel? Not physically, but like in your head, if someone said to you, what age are you? What what do you feel? I'm 12. (laughs) 12? I'm totally 12. How old are you? In my head, I'm 35. No. Yeah, in my head, I'm 35. So I feel like it's still excitement and opportunity. And I've got a bit of wisdom, but I'm not 18. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and I'm not 35. I should treat you like my teachers when I was 12, right? It's like... It's true. I find it fascinating. I find it, I mean, it's that classic thing of like youth wasted on the young, isn't it? Because I do feel like, oh, if I had this brain. <laughs> I totally love that statement. Yeah. If I had this brain then, I'd be, I would have been a danger. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'd be dangerous <laughs> to the world. If I, had, if I kind of know what I know. But isn't it funny that with all of that, like whatever knowledge I think I have, whatever, I don't know if I've got wisdom, but whatever kind of experience has given me, I have, I still have that real romantic, childlike view of relationships. Isn't that weird? Does that make you happier or does it make you less happy? It makes me less likely to meet someone. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Which, go by on, your go theory, on. might make me happier. <laughs> so actually, maybe I'm living in the joy of it without actually having the you know, nuts and bolts. Oh, tedious. You know, the wet towel on the floor thing. Honestly, being alone is much better than being with someone that takes from you and doesn't give you. I absolutely agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. And I think the key to finding out if someone gives you or not is to know what you want from life. Yeah. And that's why I think actually now, so where you're saying that the Buddhist belief that, you know, it can be beautiful, but not forever. Now I am old. I'm thinking it's got more chance to last. (laughs) So actually now Mm -hmm. I've got to the stage where I do meet the person, then it would just be a million times more delicious than it would have happened when I was younger because I know what it's like to have it. And I don't hate not having it. That's key as well, isn't it? I don't hate being single. I don't at all. I love my freedom. I I love a million things about my life. I just would like to have, I would love to be in something that I think would add, I mean, I know it's a cliche thing to say, that would add to my life rather than be something that I felt obliged to do or, you know, that would just be a joyous addition. 
So from the mathematical point of view, you know, if I, forever for me is like 20 more years. When I was 20, yeah. it was 50 years, right? So exactly. It's a more manageable target. <laughs> See, <laughs> let's end on a high. Come on. <laughs> we're not ending yet. Um, we're talking for a, a half an hour more. But yeah, I mean, but at the same time, in all honesty, think about it. When I'm 54 today, every year I spend alone is a good 5% chunk of the potential of the rest of my life. Yeah. Why would I spend it alone? Especially that I'm now in a stage where I can tell myself if this went wrong, I can just bail out openly. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you become a lot more careful, a lot more, I don't know, uh, selective. But then at the same time, I think the risk is lower. It's not like I'm going to make babies anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, well, that's an interesting thing as well, actually, when that's a quite a liberating stage when you, when you realize, I mean, it's, you know, as painful it is, cause you, you were talking about Ali, that how, you know, that you just had this unconditional love, you know, you, you gave your heart entirely. And that's what I didn't do. So when I talk about grief, that's what I, that's my loss. That's the, that's the level of my loss, the depth of my loss. But within all that, there's good stuff. I've got a friend called Wayne Anthony, Wayne Tony, so I call him Woney. And Woney, <laughs> <laughs> Woney is a record producer. And he said something so brilliant to me once. And it was this whole thing of that we feel what we feel we should have um, in our lives, what's going to make us happy. And it's what we're told is going to make us happy. And but also a lot of what we feel that we want. And he said, but you know, any, any band, any musician that goes into a studio with him, they want to create their baby. They want to create this end product that they absolutely love and they adore. And it's, it's their, the, the razzle ditch. And he said, but the people do it a different way. So to get to that happy, someone might have metal vocals, someone might have bass high up, someone might, it might just be instrumental, someone might, do you know what I mean? So there's all these different ways of creating something that brings you joy, that, bring, that is, is your, your reason. And he said, that's what life can be like as well. So for me, I get a lot of fulfillment from my work and I'm, I'm thinking of writing a book and I'm really like quite excited by the idea of it. And I think that would be... Yeah, I think that could be something really good for me. And I kind of, I know I get a sense of fulfillment from that. And, and so for me, I feel that my studio session, it might be a great relationship, might be one of the things that brings me happiness. So my fulfilled career, joy, everyday joy, all that combination of all of that might bring me the happy of baby. Do you know what I mean? It won't be the same as having a baby. And then though, as well, you have parents who didn't enjoy being a parent. You know, there's all these different ways isn't there, of being happy and finding your life and finding your meaning. And like we were saying earlier, I 100% prefer to be on my own and be in something that makes me miserable, that I don't feel seen in, that I just, I'm doing it, going through the motions. And, and I, think you, I think it's easy to get trapped in that when you're younger. But what I was going to say about the baby stuff as well is there is a stage of, I'm never going to dismiss the pain of not having a child because it is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And my, I grew up in a house of alcoholism and violence. I had the homelessness. I had the, you know, lots of death around me. Um, my mum died young, my dad died young. You know, I've had horrible things happen. You, you can't not say that it's true. But there is a liberation when you know you're not going to have children. And I think you don't realise the pressure, the societal pressure there is to have them, biological and societal. So when you don't and you kind of move away from that, suddenly the world opens up in that you can do anything, not because you've got time, but because you're not restraining yourself in your what you want to achieve 
in terms of relationship and family and what you're kind of pushing yourself towards and decisions you're making because if you don't make that decision that, that will mean that exclude that from happening and suddenly you can have the relationships you want because you're not thinking about having kids with them mm-hmm. you know you're not looking i had someone said to me once must be easier dating in your 50s than in your 30s and i said why and he said because you're not trying to um, you're not looking for the father of your child and i was like that's really negating what a relationship is for when you're older it's not less it's different and actually for me it's harder for me to meet someone now because they'd have to understand me and what i've come from part of which was not having a child so actually they'd be had to be emotionally intelligent enough to actually deal with the stuff i've been through so i think it's just as important just as hard or easy to date at either age what do you think about that i i think dating is a is an adventure it really is oh my god it is ad- an adventure with all the risks that come with it it's an adventure that with all the challenges that come with it and it's an adventure with all of the excitement that comes with it i have to say though and and i may be extreme in this i think you just need to be a little more traditional you remember those old days when people were conservative and there were no unwritten rules around sleep with him on the third date or sleep with her on the or the kiss in the second date and so on i honestly believe that meeting new people is wonderful and then eventually if someone proves right whether that's the third date or the seventh date or the 27th date take another step and see what life brings you yeah but i tend to believe that what makes life difficult in the love and dating scene if you ask me you do realize you've been interviewing me for the last half an hour but yes uh, so <laughs> what i find difficult is that we focus on the destination and not the journey yeah i totally agree yeah and the journey of love and romance is much more wonderful than the destination because the destination is almost certainly going to be different every single time yeah and so unless unless you really have a project that you're building with this person like you want to build a family together or you want to climb the himalayas together or whatever the rest is just a, a journey of discovery of exploration yeah this is why i say the buddhist noble truth of impermanence if if you're basically telling yourself i'm going to travel and spend 3 weeks in greece and you know it might be amazing or it might actually be annoying and i don't know but i'm willing to take that chance then you're much more likely going to enjoy greece than if you were going with the intention of it has to be 26 degrees or 24 or in between but 22 is not good and if the seafood is more than one day old it's not going to work and you know i don't know I had a, a relationship once with a wonderful woman that at the end of the relationship I was in traveling living in a country that I knew I was going to live in for 6 months and not more and we eventually agreed that it would be more wonderful to be together than not to be together at the end of the relationship she gave me a, a card a handwritten card that basically said I'm so happy I rented you oh I love that <laughs> and i have to tell you it's it's so wise she basically said i said what do you mean rented me and she said well you know when you own a place suddenly everything about that place becomes wrong like you want to change that wall you want to paint that thing different that cabinet <laughs> uh, you know door is horrible but when you rent a place when you rent a place you add a bit of flower here and there and and you're enjoying it i love all this i should be making notes 
<laughs> no, you shouldn't. You should be telling me your views. I'm, I don't know what I'm doing here, sharing my, my intimate views of life with everyone. Once an interviewer, always an interviewer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I love it. I do love the, um, I quite like what you're saying about the conservative thing. And I think that, again, that comes with age. It comes with knowing your worth. There is exactly. something when you're younger, especially sexually, I think that you're kind of it's really about you and it's, it's about keeping the other person interested or do you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah, it's always, it's, yeah, it's crap. And it's never about a shared experience even, I, I think in, in many cases, not everything, obviously, but um, there's a real, I'm going to say something that's going to sound really kind of, Oh, I don't know. It's going to sound, it's going to sound crappy, I think, but I think for the first time in my life, I have a, a real sense of um, my worth. Absolutely. Oh my How God. How great is that? But I just, I fear, I feel that's happened too late, but maybe it hasn't. Maybe that's another, that's another thing that I need to address in terms of preconception because why is 55 too late? It's not at all too late. No. Look, I mean, I'll, t I'll tell you this. If you're 22 and you're going to leave the world at 22 and a day, 22 is too late. Oh my God, you're totally right. But you never really know. I mean, I lived a very long part of my life thinking that I may not live beyond 61. And I had several visions in my life, and this was one of them. And then I realized, damn, if I actually ended up living till 70, I'm planning wrong, right? And maybe, maybe I should plan for 70, and then if it's 61, whoops, right? <laughs> when you really think about it, 55 is wonderful. I actually say this openly. We men are very boring, right? So we're... <laughs> We're totally immature until we're probably 45. And then some of us mature and the rest remain immature until they die. But we have two stages. Like, you know, you're either immature or mature and that's it, right? <laughs> Women are very different. I believe that as a woman, you like everything about being a woman, your life itself, you constantly evolve into different, different stages, different experiences, different needs, different everything. It's wonderful. And you should live every one of them. Yeah. And I think another thing as well, I was talking to a girlfriend recently and she's, she's just 54 and we hadn't seen each other about 10, 15 years. We caught up and I was, I was going, how's this happened? What, what happened? And then we both agreed that actually this is the best time in the world to be this age. Totally. Yeah. Because even 10 years ago, mid fifties was, was not what it is now. And it's still valid. That's the, the key. And, um, yeah, it's, it's exciting. I feel quite psyched about stuff. I love that. I love that I still feel excited about life. Do you still feel excited about life? Yeah, and, you know, being the whip that you are, by the way, we're not going to explain whip. You guys are going to have to search for BB and find <laughs> I out love what that. she means Just by keep that. saying it and not, not actually say it. Brilliant. Yeah, being the whip that you are, you're probably a lot more able to enjoy those things. I mean, I heard you in one interview talking about dating younger guys, which is really interesting because... Thank you. You know, uh, <laughs> it really matters that also, honestly, that whole idea of age and societal expectation of a woman is not going to, yeah, thank you for talking publicly about that. No, I know a lot of women friends that date younger guys and they're very, very happy and it's absolutely okay. Yeah. And I think, again, it's that thing of being valid. I tell you what I, I don't know where you stand on social media, but I, I really love Twitter. It really makes me laugh. And I've met really great friends on it. And one of the things I love about it is it doesn't feel ageist to me. And it's a great level. Oh, that's so interesting. 
yeah and I really think yeah I love that and I think that's I can't, I'm not, I'm not going to say Twitter's made given me my sense of worth because that's not true but it's certainly a place that hasn't made me feel old you know it hasn't a place it's not a place that's made me feel like I can't have an opinion on pop culture or whatever because you know I'm I'm not that age and it's not relevant to me because that's totally not true and it's um yeah so the the kind of the whips thing the younger men thing it's like you know I don't like we said that the worst thing I'm I'm quite particular about who I date, who I fall in love with, who I, you know, who I want to be with, because I'm very happy being on my own. If I'm going to settle, I could have settled for that level of schmuck years ago. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, I've waited, so I might as well get it right. Yeah. It's totally that. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. (laughs) You and I could talk for a lot more, and I think we probably should, but maybe we should let... We should probably let our listeners go do something useful. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe I, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. I think you're wonderful. I think you're courageous. Oh. I think you open our eyes and it's uh, it's been a joy to have you here. You are so kind. Thank you. And it's been lovely to meet you. And, and, and I think what you're doing is amazing as well. And I think very, very um, inspirational. So it's, it's been lovely to speak to you. Well, I don't know what to tell you other than, you see, life is so varied and interested for every single one of us. I think what Bibi has shared with us today, I am almost certain are things that many of us have not thought about before. We interact with people on daily basis, uh, thinking that they are just like us, but you can see how different people's lives could be. I hope you enjoyed this kind of discovery and I hope it empowered you to actually believe that you can be whatever you can be and that you can deal with whatever harshness and difficulties you could be facing in your life today or you have faced in the past. Either way, I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I hope it brought you a different perspective. Well, reach others and tell them about slow-mo in whichever way you think fits. Uh, If you want to share your uh, learnings or share an episode on social media, I'd highly appreciate it. If you want to rate this podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts, that would really help. You want to send them a message in a bottle or with a pigeon or just shout at people in the street to do what you think is right. I would love your help to spread the message of slow-mo. And I truly, truly appreciate that you do. I also truly appreciate that you give me the alibi to be here talking to so many interesting people, learning and being inspired. It's such a privilege and it's all because of you. And I hope you didn't mind spend a bit more than an hour with us today, because I'll tell you honestly, it doesn't really matter how busy you were today. There was always and there will always be time for you to slow down. I love you all for listening and I will see you next time.